Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Turn to Glory Podcast. Hunter Zarbernicki here. No Austin Rose. Austin enjoying his honeymoon on the beautiful island of Greece. So we are going to be doing a solo podcast today and not sure how that's going to go. So bear with me. Don't have a lot to talk about the Huskers' current state after the Purdue game on Saturday bye week this week. So as promised, we will be doing a special episode today on our potential top coaching candidates. I say our, it really will be mine. Austin's list might be completely different. But what we are going to do today is go through my top 10 coaching candidates. And these may be accurate. They may be just completely off. I was doing some research and trying to make this list and it looked like and I felt like that all these could be completely wrong. There's no articles out there anymore recently on the news of the head coach at Nebraska. So it was a little difficult. Now, if none of these coaching candidates end up being the head coach, it does concern me a little bit with the type of talent and the type of coaches that would want to come here. I think Trev came out a few weeks ago and said that all of the rumors and news have been completely false and almost laughed at it. So that could be true here, and that could be what is going to happen when I when I give this list out. But I do think it's interesting to at least look at the top coaching candidates out there. There are some intriguing jobs, more intriguing jobs opening up here as we get later in the college football season. And I think Nebraska is still one of the most attractive jobs for multiple reasons. But I still don't know if that means one of these top coaching candidates have the desire and the want to actually come and build this thing back up. I mean, Wisconsin is not going to be a full-on rebuild like this Nebraska job will be for a lot of reasons. And I think after the game on Sunday, it kind of put a lot of Husker fans, including myself, back down to earth that we are very far away from being a consistent top Big Ten West contender, and that's just the bare minimum of where we want to be, right? Make a bowl game. 
not to mention eventually want to go for conference titles, and that's way down the road. Whereas a job like Wisconsin, I don't think they're that far removed from it. So, anyways, before I get into the top 10, I do want to say that Austin has been doing some recruiting on his own. According to multiple reports and sources, he had an interaction with the one and only Ed Orgeron at the airport and said he was right behind him in security and had a good conversation with him. So Austin's out there doing work, trying to get the coach that he wants. Not saying that he wants Orgeron, but anyways, thought that was a neat little shout out to throw on here today. So, all right. Top 10 list. These are the things that I was looking for. And unfortunately, I don't think any one of these candidates fills all of these categories completely and would be, quote-unquote, the perfect fit for the head coach. I think every candidate has its pros and every candidate has its cons. But some do get weighed more in my mind. And it was a fun exercise to go through and try to compare, you know, coach number five and coach number six. And who would I rather have and why? So if you have some time, I would encourage you to do this because it was fun. And it probably will be worthless. Like I mentioned, it probably won't even matter because we won't even hire someone on this list. But it was a fun exercise to think about the future of Husker football and what it could be. So number one, I guess I wrote down five things, not in any order, of what's important. And all of these things points to coaching matters, especially at the Division I level. It is very, 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 very important because you are molding the minds and a lot of times the bodies of college athletes to produce the best product on the field that you can. So these five things are what I think are most important of the next coach at Nebraska. In no particular order, number one, they have to have motivation to build a program and sustain it for a long term. I've mentioned this before. This is very important in my mind because you have to want to put in the extra hours and the time to, one, get recruits, two, find the best way to develop them and work with your staff and the players to be the best leader of the football team that you can be. I think a lot of things factor into motivation, your past experience, your age, other things going on in your life. So this is a very big topic or point that I think the next head coach has to have. Next one, and this came into my side a lot more. We knew this, but as far as the next head coach has to prioritize an offensive line and defensive line. We've known this for the past couple of years, how bad our line is. The next head coach has to have a top priority to building the trenches from the ground up. Because yes, we are at ground zero and we have to find a way to be better, more physical, more talented, and develop up front on both the offensive and defensive line. The defensive line, I think, came more into the frame of mind after this weekend where we, once again, could not get any pressure on Aiden O'Connell when we needed to in a game like that to force some turnovers and maybe make some plays. But no, we could not. And 
we know the outcome of that. So there has to be a high, high prioritization on the lines. Number three, they have to have proven to be a winner. Now, this opens up a big old can of worms. What's a winner? Scott Frost was a winner at UCF. Okay, yes, he won games. He did go undefeated, the self-proclaimed national title. So I would say, yeah, he was a winner at that point. But really, we have to dive in deeper as to why they won. All right, did they build the program to get them to that winning stage? Or was it handed to them? What kind of access do they have to the different recruiting markets? What kind of pressure is out there from external and internal sources? This whole proven-to-win category is important because Nebraska, as we mentioned in the last podcast, is not a starter job. Not yet, anyways. It is still a prestigious blue-blood type position. And we do not want to hire a head coach that has not proven himself out there already. So that is another very big key thing that this next coach has to have. These next two, I think, are a little more person personal for me. But I think it what makes a great leader of a program, a leader of an organization at all. And it allows the your employees or your assistant coaches, your players, whoever is following your lead, it, it helps that relationship and builds that trust. One of those things being a real human. And all that means by being a real human is you're just real. You're not putting on a mask to the media. You're not trying to say stuff that people want to hear. You're not telling players what they want to hear. You're real with them. If a player is performing poorly on the field, and you need to tell them that. If it's after the game and you're watching on film, they need to be corrected. But you're being real and honest and open with your opinion. That is what forms trust in in a leader. So just being real. When you're talking to the media, you're just upfront and straightforward. Those are the kind of coaches that I like to listen to and follow and support because they show that they are just like everyone else and they have a, just a real personality. So that to me is important for the leadership aspect. And then lastly, a lot of things go into this bucket is the intangibles. I think the coach that comes here has to have some of the off the field and this relates to the other topics, but just toughness and the willing to put in the extra work, not a lot of distractions outside. When it comes to coaching, he understands the mental side of it. I'm not, I don't think our head coach needs to understand X's and O's tremendously. I don't think that's a requirement. Our coordinators and the guys underneath him do, but I think the head coach needs to be a leader and needs to have the intangibles of building a winning program And that involves a lot of things that does not involve scheming on the field. Find someone as an assistant coach to do that for you. But as a leader, you're in charge of finding that coach as well. So the intangible piece also is a big one. So those are my five. Motivation, prioritizing the trenches, um, having proof to win, being a real human, and showing that you have those intangibles as, as a person. So, all right, let's dive in here to our top 10. Now, obviously, everybody would take Nick Saban in a heartbeat. We would take 
Dabo Sweeney. We would take any of these legendary coaches. We'd take Tom Osborne and, and Bill Snyder as a duo. All right, but some things just aren't realistic. And unfortunately for someone like Saban, I don't know if there's an, a dollar amount that we could pay him to come here. Maybe, maybe 50, 75 million would. I don't know. But that's not going to happen. So these are realistic coaching candidates. Some are more realistic than others. Some of them I still did reach on. I don't think Zach Taylor falls into that category. I think Zach Taylor is staying at the Bengals. And I'm not saying he'd be one of my top coaching candidates anyways, but he's one that I'm not considering in this list. Mark Stoops is another one that early on I thought maybe, but I don't think he's leaving Kentucky. He's another one that's not feasible in my mind. And some of these other coaches, you may have the opinion that they're not leaving because why would they leave their school to come to Nebraska? Great question. So this is just my opinion of guys I think we have a shot at getting. And like I said, if none of these top 10 guys are going to end up coming here, I'm a little bit nervous as far as who actually was interested in the job. So, number 10 on my list, and I'm going to cheat my list already because I'm throwing two guys in at number 10. And these are two similar guys. That's why I'm grouping them into one. It's Troy Calhoun, the head coach at Air Force, and Jeff Munkin, the head coach at Army. I would probably prefer Calhoun over Munkin. Both of these guys run the triple option. They prioritize the offensive line. They know they need to have skill guys behind that offensive line. They prioritize the run game. That's what Big Ten football is about. And I think that is could be a successful formula for winning games at Nebraska. I think these are two guys that have never coached at a big-time school, so they have the motivation. And they both seem like tough, real humans to me. Now, the proven to win, that's the one that's a little bit tough. I, I think you're taking a risk on these two guys, a big risk, because they haven't coached at a big-time school, and it may be tough to, to actually build this program in the Big Ten. But I think they would start at the right place at the offensive line and go from there. So, again, not two candidates that I'm super thrilled on, but they did crack the top ten because of mainly their commitment to the run game and the trenches up front. All right, moving into number nine. And this is a big number nine. It may be very different on some of your lists, but I have Mickey Joseph at number nine. And I struggled to figure out where to put Mickey because part of it, we're still learning a lot about him as a coach and a leader of this football program. I do think he's a lot higher on Trev's list. I think he's probably a lot higher on the boosters list if he can continue to prove that we're moving in the right direction. Now, I would call Purdue a little bit of a setback, even though we kept it close. I think that game showed that, you know what, Mickey might just not quite be ready as a head coach. Now, could he learn how to get there? I think so. I think that's a possibility. But he has not proven himself at all. Talk about proven to win. He doesn't have any of that. I do think he's a real human being. We've seen that. I think he carries most of the intangibles that we want. Unsure about his O-line, D-line prioritization. I think he has a ton of motivation. 
but I don't know if he's quite ready yet and could be a successful head coach here because it is. It's a big-time job. And while I think Mickey would be a great piece to the future staff, I don't know that he is the leader that we want to build the program. So I have him at number nine. With that being said, he needs to be retained. So if you want to throw another category in here is he needs to be retained with the new coach, head coach, and the they need to get along, right? There needs to not be much tension at the beginning because that's going to set us back even probably another year or two of the division of players and who they're following and leading. So Mickey's a tough one here at nine. He did make the top ten because I still think there's hope and potential that he could have success here. I, I do think that's an, an option. But there are definitely guys ahead of him that are more exciting to me and that have had more proven success as the head coach. Number eight. This is one that I have not had much positive feedback on when I bring it up to people that I talk to. Craig Bull at Wyoming right now, former North Dakota State head coach, getting up there in age. Um, I don't think he's got a long, long 10-plus year tenure at Nebraska, but I do think he has a lot of things that would get us moving in the right track and get us back to winning football games in the next five to seven years. Bull has proven that he can win at North Dakota State. And I don't want to hear that North Dakota State is a Division you know, one FCS school. If we play North Dakota State right now with their current head coach, Matt Entz, we would get our butts kicked. We would. I do not think we would win that football game. I really don't. It would be a battle, um, and North Dakota State would win up front. We'd have better athletes, but they would win the game up front. They would control the clock, and they would win. Bull then went on to Wyoming. He has not done a lot there, but he has had some very competitive teams. And I think I would like to see him get a shot at a larger school. Now, what's hard with Bull is he does not have, again, that proven success at a higher level. So you're taking a risk there. But similar to Munkin and Calhoun, he is tough-nosed and he prioritizes the line game. And again, that got a lot of more weight after this week and over the last couple of years because our offensive line is horrendous. Our defensive line is proving to not be good as well. So there's a lot of rebuilding there that has to be done. And I think he's one that would put that at the very top of his list to start there and move forward. So Craig Bull is my number eight. Number seven a guy that has got his name thrown out there a lot, and I mean a lot, by the media, by people that are getting talking to. And I I mean, to be frank, I'm not excited about him as much. I, I don't think he's done as much as people say he's done. He's obviously been in a lot of close games where, where he's at, but it's not like he's gone on to win anything big in their conference. And this guy's Matt Campbell the Iowa State head coach. I think he carries a lot of intangibles. I think he is probably a real human. 
I think he probably has some motivation. I don't know how much he believes in line play. I don't know how much he's proven that he can win. He can compete, that's for sure. He can get us back to consistency, I think, but I don't know that that consistency is 8-4 and four or 9-3. and three. I think that consistency for Matt Campbell at Nebraska might just be 5-7, and 6-6. Seven, six and six. I don't know if he has the knowledge and the capability of taking that next jump and making it to the next level, which is where Nebraska fans, I hope Nebraska fans want to be. Again, short-term goal, yes. We just want to make a bowl game. We want to get back to six wins in the next couple of years. But I think everybody's long-term vision, five to ten years, we want to be competing for a conference title. And with the playoff expansion, that allows you to get in the conversation of making the playoffs. So, yeah, I get that's a long, long time down the road. But this next head coach has to have that vision and the ability to get there as well. And I don't know that Matt Campbell can get us to that 5-10 to ten year vision. I think he can get us to the, the short-term goal, the short-term vision of winning bowl games and you know beating your Rutgers and, and Purdue and Illinois. But that long-term vision is what scares me and I'm not excited about. But he does come in at number 7. But behind these top 6. Number 6 is a guy that's fallen on my rank and it mainly has been done to the recent recency of what his team has done um, over the last few weeks. And this guy also has proven to win as a coordinator and as a head coach now. But some of the same reasons I brought up with Campbell fall for Dave Aranda, the current Baylor head coach. Aranda's a defensive guy. We all know that. He's going to prioritize that. I do think he probably is a little more trench-oriented than Campbell. But what concerns me a little bit about both of these guys is they play in the Big 12. How are the Big 12 line lines? How, how are they? Just think about that. They, they, they aren't known for their offensive and defensive line play. So while I think Aranda still could do good things, and I do think he has potential to get further along in that five to ten year plan than Campbell did that whole proof of what he's been able to do is still coming now I do think Aranda is one of the higher candidates on the motivation standpoint I do think he's at the point in his career where he is ready to take that next step and put in the extra work to win at a bigger school than Baylor now I say that I assume that coaches think that Nebraska is a better job than Baylor they may not it may not be that way anymore I don't know I would just assume because we're in the Big Ten all the money that comes the Big Ten's way all the resources facilities the prestige that Nebraska has those are what I'm talking about but I don't know maybe in the coaching world that's not a priority and doesn't matter anymore maybe in their minds you know money's money and whether you're making Three million a year, six million a year, they really don't care. They're making millions of dollars, so great. I don't know. I have no idea. But that's just my opinion on on I think that he would have a chance of coming here. And I think he wants that challenge and that opportunity to rebuild a program like Nebraska. So number six there, 
was Dave Aranda. Now we get into the top five candidates. And my top five has been shifting, and it probably will shift after another week and shift after another week. But here's where I sit currently today. Number five, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is probably a lot of your top one, two, three candidates. And I think Urban Meyer would be a great hire. I really do. I think he has proven to win more than any other coach on this list. He knows how to turn programs around. He did it at Utah. He did it at Florida. He did it at Ohio State. Didn't do it at Jacksonville, but that's for other reasons. Urban Meyer knows how to win. And I do think he would find a way to win at Nebraska, probably sooner than a lot of other coaches. The concern with Urban is a very long-term looking view down the road. I think that if Urban would win more games than any of these other coaches in the next three years, if we gave him the program today, he would. But that is not, in my mind, what we should be after. We're not after winning in the next three years. We're after winning conference championships and competing for national titles in years 5 through 10. I shouldn't say competing for national titles, competing for playoff contention. All right? One thing with Urban that puts question marks is he's getting up there in age, and he has done it at so many other schools. He just failed, quote-unquote failed, at Jacksonville. How much motivation does he have left? Or, you know what, He's is he really just okay with, you know, I did it for three schools, do I need to add a fourth? Do I need to do it again? Jacksonville didn't work out. How much extra motivation does Urban have? I think in my mind I would put that on a lesser scale than a lot of other people. The other thing <laughs> comes with the intangible piece. Can Urban even make it five years without getting in some sort of trouble? And I laugh because everybody has heard of the the allegations and things that he's gone through. And yeah, it's kind of a joke and funny. And, and But in all seriousness, this stuff matters in today's society because you can't get away with any of that stuff anymore. I mean, look at Frost. Frost got away with as much as he should, as could have. I mean, he really did. Everything that came out was rumors and speculation until he got fired, then obviously opened the floodgates. Urban is going to have the same overview on him, and there are going to be rumors out of the ass from everybody. And you know what? I would not be surprised if, if we're not winning right away. They're not kept under the table anymore. They actually are going to be coming out public. So I am. I'm concerned that Urban can make it past five years because of all this other stuff. I, you know, call him sleazy, whatever. That's what his reputation is, and he knows how to win. That's great, but you guys have to remember the society that we live in and the publicity of what would happen if something even very, very minor happens, all right? The board, the university, they're not going to take that lightly, and if it needs to be a change of head coach, it's going to happen. Urban has to stay, stay so clean 
to get us to that level for that long. And like I said, do not underestimate what society and perception does to people like this. I mean, it, it, look what happened to him at Jacksonville. It just got, I mean, everywhere. So that's the biggest concern I have with Urban is I don't, I don't want a guy that, yeah, he can win, and he could win in three years better than any of these other coaches. But in year five, year six, he might not be around anymore. <laughs> not because he's a bad coach, just because of society. So that's why I have him at number five. I, I think he's a phenomenal football coach. But long-term vision, not there for me. All right, dial it back here. Number four, Lance Leipold, current Kansas head coach. Motivation level, very, 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 very high for Leipold, taking the next step up. I think he's one of the, the top prospects out there in the coaching world. Because of what he's done with this Kansas program, it's been very impressive. Several coaches have come in since they were decent in the mid to late 2000s and have tried to get this program back on, when I say winning track, I mean they just were hoping for like four wins, right? And look what Leipold's done now in his second year at Kansas. It's been very impressive. They went from being a 37-point dog, I think, at home against Oklahoma last year to being a 7-point dog on the road this year, all right? He has turned this program around. And the reasons how he's done that, we really don't know the details, right? Like, I don't follow Kansas football like I do Nebraska football. So I don't know the changes specifically that he's made. But if I had to guess, he understands the intangibles and knows how to win. He knows how to be a good leader of men, He's a real human when you listen to him talk. I think he would be a phenomenal choice. Now, these other three guys ahead of him have a little more proof that they've done it before, right? He's one that I have had up at my number one at times, and I've moved him around, but he's never fallen below where he's at now, and that's nothing putting him against. It's just I'm higher on some of these other guys for other reasons. So I have him at four currently. I think I could be convinced to move him up the ladder. But Leipold is going to be a very strong coaching candidate for a lot of those reasons, and I'd love to see what he could do as the next head coach in Nebraska. Next up, number three. No, he's no longer my number one. He's fallen. Matt Rule, the former Panthers head coach, was also at Baylor. Had really turned this program around at Baylor. And that's also why I have Aranda. I forgot to mention this a little bit lower. I think Aranda was given a lot from what Rule did at Baylor. He was handed a lot of pieces. And it's hard to tell if a lot of what Baylor is now, if that's truly Aranda's doing, or if a lot of it stemmed from Rule. I think Matt Rule has a lot of the things we mentioned. The motivation level now is one that has gone down since he's been fired at Carolina because of his massive buyout that he's receiving from the Panthers organization. 
I do think he understands the importance of offensive and defensive line. Now, I understand the argument from the Big 12 comes into play here, too. I totally get that. But I do think the reason that he got a lot of success out of that Baylor team and the Big 12 at that point was just flying all over the place and scoring 50-plus points a game, which he knew he had to do, but he also prioritized to get an offensive line to be able to do that. Because Baylor, traditionally, back when Nebraska was in the Big 12, besides pulling in RG3, it they, they just talent-wise, they were not there. And especially up front, that was the one team I remember when I was seven years old going to Husker games that Nebraska would just pound the crap out of them, all right, and and kick the crap out of them. Matt Rule, I think, gets that part of it. I'm a little bit concerned about his NFL experiment, but if you want to make that argument that he failed the Panthers, I don't want to hear it because so did Urban Meyer. So, yeah, they both just might not just be NFL head coaches, and that's totally fine. Who cares? But Rule has proven that he can build a program at Baylor, and I think he would be have motivation to take a program like Nebraska to the next level. Same comparison I did with, with Aranda. You know, maybe Baylor and Nebraska are more similar jobs than we think. But I would be very excited to have Matt Rule as our head coach, and I think he's got a longer view of how to get things done, and I think he could win very early on. Maybe not as much as Urban, but I'm a big Matt Rule fan. I think things could work at Nebraska. Number two, this guy has climbed for me over the last few months because I've been following the program more. And boy, is it fun to watch. This guy has taken a program that has been very mediocre in the past. They might win a big game here or two every so often. But now he has this program in the top 20, tied for the top of the conference with a big, big matchup coming up this weekend against TCU, and that's Chris Kleiman, the head coach at K-State. He gets it, guys. I've listened to him talk in press conferences almost as much as I've listened to Nebraska press conferences this year. And you can even say that I'm teetering becoming a K-State fan. I have. I Not at any sacrifice of Nebraska, but it's been fun to follow K-State. And the biggest reason is this guy right here. And Adrian, yeah, that was the reason that initially caught me. But it was like when I was a... Uh, a Saints fan. I'm a Saints NFL fan, right? I liked Reggie Bush in college. I followed him to the pros, went to the Saints. But guess who latched me onto the Saints and got them to like me as a fan? It was Drew Brees. It wasn't Reggie Bush because we all know how that all panned out. Drew Brees caught me on. Same thing happened here. Adrian brought me to K-State. But Chris Kleiman is latching me on to this program. And it's because of all of the stuff we talk about, right? He fits almost all of these categories here. He's real. He gets the intangibles big time. He's proven that he can win. Now, 
you want to give me one drawback? It's that he hasn't won in a big school yet. But he's done it at North Dakota State. And for all the reasons that I mentioned, all these other North Dakota State coaches, you know what? There's a reason why these North Dakota State coaches go on to the Division One level is because they all know and they get predecessors that know how to win and build a program, starting with the offensive line. They're real humans. They get the intangibles. They have motivation to coach at the next level. That's why they're all good football coaches. And Chris Kleiman is there. He's at a Power 5 school and has turned this Power 5 school into a top 20 team. Now, I will say there's a lot to still learn because K-State's schedule gets very tough over the next few weeks, and it starts this week. But Chris Kleiman would be a very, very exciting coach in my mind, and that's why he's coming in at number two on my list. Unfortunately, we can't bring Adrian back with him. Guys, Adrian has not thrown a pick. He's the only quarterback in the entire country. And that apparently was his downfall. Yeah, so whose fault is that? I mean, Adrian was here at both places. He has an offensive line. He has a coach that believes in an offensive line. He's got a running back next to him. And you can say what you want about our running backs. Anthony Grant is a dude. I think Anthony Grant would have helped Adrian a lot at Nebraska. But we didn't have any support, supporting cast around him. None that we developed anyways. You can look at the stars. We had talent. Look at the stars. Great. But we did not develop them as a program. Bill O'Brien knows how, not Bill O'Brien, hint to my number one. Chris Kleiman knows how to develop those players. I would love Chris Kleiman to be our head coach. I don't know if he'd leave K-State. I really don't. K-State has a lot going for him right now. But we're still in the Big 12, or Big 10. They're in the Big 12. All right, number one, just just squeaked his name out. Bill O'Brien, my number one, has moved up on my list. Yes, even after Alabama has struggled and lost. That is not at a lack of the offense. I don't think it's as a lack of the program in general. Bill O'Brien is ready to be a head coach, again, at a big-time school. He clearly showed that he can win at Penn State, and turn Penn State around, guys. Remember that, a Big Ten school, not on our division even, in the Big Ten East, or maybe at that time it was the leaders or legends, whatever it was, he brought them to the top. And that comes from so many of these things that we mentioned. I'm not going to go through the list again. But Bill O'Brien would be a top-tier hire. He has moved up to my number one in my mind right now as our next head coaching candidate. And a lot of that too is guess what? He had what he had before and now he has been in and immersed in a Nick Saban program for the past couple of years. He has learned from, you could argue, the best head coach ever, 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 ever in college football. Besides Tom Osborne. Besides Tom Osborne. So, Bill O'Brien would be a slam dunk hire. He's offensive minded, which I think some people might want a defensive coach. But I would hope that he would also not take on the play calling roles. I 
hope that he would go back to leading the entire organization. He's also a guy that I think maybe at the initial onset would butt heads with Mickey a little bit, but I think him and Mickey would find a way to work together very well. I think Bill O'Brien is tough. I think he gets the intangibles, and he has proven that he can win. And I think he's got a lot of motivation coming back to a big-time school as the head coach after learning from the best. So that's my top 10. If anybody has anything different, I'd love to hear your feedback or rebuttals because this list, like I said, is changing ever so constantly for me based on news. We haven't heard much, Husker Nation. We have not heard much recently on who our next potential head coach could be, which makes it exciting because when it does come out, I don't think people are even going to care that there's much football going out on anymore because it'll all be about the future and what this next head coach can build in the next few years. And then, again, keep the vision in mind of the long term. I get it. You want to just get back to a bowl game? That's totally fine. But we have to look at what's sustainable for the long-term goal of building this program because it's going to take longer than we think. A lot longer than we think. We don't have the pieces here right now. So keep that long-term vision in mind. All right. That will do it. Hopefully this solo podcast was not too difficult to listen to. The next couple... I want to get some people on. So for Sunday's podcast, it'll be a bi-week podcast. I do want to get a few people on. It can be more than one. If you're interested, shoot us a DM at Glory Return on Twitter. If you have my phone number, feel free to text me. I'd be glad to have you on as a co-host and talk Husker football. If there's more than one, maybe we can do a little around-the-horn type discussion um, and, and have some questions planned for that. So feel free to reach out. I don't want to do another one of these on my own. So looking forward to Sunday. Enjoy the bye week, Husker Nation. Go Big Red.